0: that movie was a movie discussion podcast i'm one of your hosts matt joined by my co-host michael
1: hey everyone welcome to the podcast
0: so every episode we pick a movie to watch and then discuss this episode we picked leon the professional released in 1994
1: yeah this was matt's pick right this was your pick for the week (laughs) this was my
0: pick but if i had the opportunity to go back i don't know if i would have picked it little spoilers for uh (laughs) my feelings on it
1: Uh, okay
0: i like to start to the episode
1: we're really rolling in with some exciting news here about it
0: yeah we're we're trying to uh you know keep everyone's uh interests
1: right well at least the viewers here don't get me wrong i think this movie is worth watching it's not like we're not saying it's not worth watching but i think that me and matt have some uh, I guess maybe, I, at least for me there's a few plot issues. there's some plot things that could have been done right, but in this I know for at least for me in understanding this film is, and why I wanted to watch it is because it's such it, it's held in such high regard to a lot of movie viewers because for the uh, cast yeah, it's a great cast and then also just uh, cinematography and based off of you know the low budget, that the director, uh, Luke Benson where I had to work with. Um that what's that's what makes it exciting. But like I said, you know, I'm a I'm a stickler to making sure that the plot is, you know, uh foolproof. And there were some things in here that I kinda caught that uh, kind of threw me I was just like, hey, you know, that didn't need to happen, or, you know, this could have been done slightly different to really draw things together.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like I needed to take a shower after watching this movie. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, exactly what you're saying. Uh, You know, before we dive into, uh, you know, kind of exploring the movie, it's not that it's a bad movie, and I, you know, am not saying to anybody, especially, you know, if, if, listener, you've seen this movie, and it's one of your favorites, I'm by no means saying it's a bad movie there's a lot of things that were done really well in it but kind of what we do on this podcast is you know we will examine and pick apart some of the, like the themes of the movie i don't know that i want to do that <laughs> for yeah. movie. um i just i you know it, it was one of my and I, we were talking before the podcast neither of us had seen this movie before um mm-hmm. it was kind of one of our uh Blind Spots, you know, I've always seen um like you said it, it is a cult classic. I mean, it's it's held in really high regard by a lot of people that I respect. Their opinions on movies and tend to agree with their opinions on movies. So, it has always been something that I had been meaning to see and I thought, you know, hey, what what better time to do it than this dumb little podcast that me and Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um I <laughs> didn't do enough research ahead of time to actually know some of the, uh, I'm not going to say undertones because I think that they are overtones. It's a pretty heavy tone. It's yes. pretty, I don't know how you can misconstrue <laughs> some of the things in this movie. Um, <laughs> but
1: so, it, it, it is yeah. what it is. Um, the best thing to do will just be to get right on into the dirty details.
0: I think, yeah, we got to get right on into it. And, uh, who better to start with than writer director, Luc Besson. Um, Now I may have butchered that name uh, because Luke's (laughs) a French film director. Um, And, you know, he's known for some – in more recent years, some like bigger kind of blockbuster hits. But uh, in the early 90s, you know, especially around – I think this was only his um, second uh, wide release film uh, right after La Femme Nikita – um, it was sort of more, you know, uh, I guess, indie. Like, you know, the, the, I'm sure this movie definitely had a budget, you know, bringing in some some big names like uh, Gary Oldman. But, um, you know, not, not a whole bunch of, you know, explosions and gunfire. And, it, it, you know, it was kind of like a, a tighter narrative.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it, he was – the whole f- portrayal of this movie is not really to show what – Jean Renault um the main character you know Leon's you know destructive chaos being the, like a hitman and showing mm-hmm. the you know the ugly side of that necessarily to say you know with the blood and everything like that being uh, you know basically a a killer in New York but it definitely revolves more around just like character development and honestly of the movies, just based off of the relationship between Leon and Matilda. Um, So that's really where the focus wanted to be. But I agree with you. And I, I, we actually just recently did um, the film last podcast with uh, Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And it's another perfect example of a director that works with a minimum budget to make a maximum film.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean they work with the constraints that they have, and they they pull it off. Especially because I mean, after this movie, his follow up is The Fifth Element, which <laughs> I know. know love that movie. There's a, I, a he had a lot of budget for that one.
1: <laughs> exactly, and Gary Oldman comes back in there as one of the main protagonists. But then also we get Bruce Willis, who's I think in the early like uh, well late '80s to early '90s. I mean that, that man was in the prime of his film. Oh, uh, yeah, film career so at it, yeah at that Bruce Willis at that point is definitely on the A tier list actor so um, and he, uh, he's also done some other stuff more notably in the recent years he did a Scarlett Johansson film called Lucy, Lucy um, right. yeah, and he seems to really revolve around doing the like I'm a, I'm a single like killer weapon kind of thing like my, my skills and abilities as a person makes me like the ultimate hitman killer or something like that uh, i mean not fifth element that that is a it's completely own different movie but just valerian and the city of a um,
0: thousand planets
1: exactly <laughs> stuff like that and lucy uh you said la femme nikita exactly that's what we're talking about here
0: yeah i can't say i've seen lucy or valerian in the city of a thousand planets but what a great name yes
1: <laughs> it's <That's amazing. laughs> yeah, a mouthful
0: um, so, uh, I feel so what like kind of, before I was going to we, say,
1: what well, go, <laughs> well,
0: go ahead. Now. I was I just going to say, I go mean, on. I don't know if there's ever a good time to bring it up on this podcast, but we're going to have to sooner or later. So sure. let's just do it right up here at the top. Um, uh, we, I, I don't think either of us did enough research into, uh, either the uh, themes of this movie or into uh, Luke Basson before we started, because if if we had, I don't think that I would have covered anything that Luke Basson's put out. Um, so, uh, listener, if you are uncomfortable or uh, maybe have been affected by in the past, um, like the idea of like old man, young girl, like. Relationships, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know if there's a good way to phrase that, yeah. Like,
1: right, I know what you're talking because about, though. Leon.
0: In the movie, he's not predatory, it's more Matilda that's going after Leon. But I, it seems like Luke Besson in his personal life may have been kind of predatory. Um, oh, it, did you know any of this beforehand, or uh, did, did you? I did videos? not.
1: No, I did not look into any of... I was more focusing my attention towards the movie and things like that, but I mean, I get where you're coming from. That's a healthy thing to do. (laughs) I get where you're coming from. Uh, Just based off of what I understand and not wanting to make any unnecessary assumptions or to spend the time talking about this podcast about things that aren't necessarily this movie related, like I understand the theme behind, like uh, in this film at least. This, you know, you have this man saves her life, you know, and kind of has that mysterious vibe. I mean, it, it, there's multiple, um, there's multiple cinematographic um, examples of young girls or young boys looking up and admiring an older figure whether it's in a platonic or romantic in this case, it's, it was definitely Matilda had romantic feelings for Leon, but um, only until one point in this film does Leon ever really like he, so and he never touches her. Obviously nothing like that ever happens. There's not even a kiss or anything like that, no, But no. but it's the fact that, you know, he kind of breaks a little bit to the point where we're thinking "Mm, this might be getting to a point where he's crossing the fence to raunchiness and to, like, you know, the perversion of, like, a, you know, young girl, old guy thing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, just speaking from this film specifically, it's strictly just a, um, you know, an admiration for an older man while he – is looking at her to protect her. It's a, it's a uh, protecting uh, platonic way. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's as we'll talk a little bit more on, but uh, Matilda's effect on Leon personally, in the sense of like bringing him out of his funk, bringing him into the light from the darkness that he, he had in his past.
0: Right. She has a positive or a net positive effect on him, but it's, yeah. I mean, man, you know, Looking up something, some stuff about uh, Luke Besson's personal life. I mean, he has multiple rape allegations against him. He had a relationship with a 15-year-old girl while he was 33 and actually had a baby with her. So I we I just wanted to I mean cover that I guess before we start diving into the movie that anything uh, positive that we have to say about the movie is directed at you know purely. Like the movie self-contained movie. I think all of the actors and actresses in this movie did a great job. I love the way it was shot. Um, you know, I even liked some of the writing in the movie when it's not covering yep. these kind of icky parts, but uh, we're not uh, glorifying, <laughs> I guess, anything about or anything in his personal life. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So uh, with that out of the way, I, um, I say that we uh we go ahead and we, we dive into some of the details on the movie,
1: yeah, what kind of budget were we that was what I was trying to ask earlier before we got into that, <laughs> into that topic, but I was just what kind of budget were we working with here because i like I said, I know it wasn't a lot, yeah I know it wasn't a bit it wasn't
0: a big budget so uh relatively modest um sixteen million dollars, which uh, mm, yeah I mean shooting uh on location in new york um with some, you know, recognizable actors and actresses. Um, I mean, that's, that's a a pretty modest budget.
1: No, I think I agree. I agree. And then I honestly, New York is the best place to do it. And the reason I say that is that everyone who's either seen New York in films or lives there or has visited or anything like that, you understand that it's always alive. So, anytime anything that's happening in New York, you don't have to uh, make an imaginary set for New York. It's just always happening around you. So just run the camera on the sidewalk, you know, catch, catch, you know, the empire state building behind you or something like that, or, you know, you know, um, whatever. And you'll, uh, get your, you'll get your scenery, you'll get your shot, the setting and everything like that. You don't have to, um, make that into something that's you know it's already there oh, for yeah. you
0: absolutely yeah it'll uh, it'll work its way out for you <laughs> you know and then yeah. it'll, it'll make the uh, the whole scenery seem alive
1: exactly uh, and then also just the fact that they do most of the at least I know besides yeah. going to like Tony's Italian restaurant most of the shots are in these really run down apartment complexes mm-hmm. so that's even better in itself because uh, in this movie you kind of just get like a it's almost like a timepiece. It's like a time frame of what New York was back in the nineteen nineties, compared to what it is now. It's it's changed a lot in the last twenty years, just alone. But uh, speaking from the apartments themselves, man, they're just run down, gross looking. You can see like the water drops and stuff like that, which is exactly what New York is at that time. So again, just to go towards the fact that the guy Luke did not need a big budget in order to get his point across about what it's like to live in New York city at that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, these characters, they're living in squalor. Um, I mean, you know, the, the nicest, uh, you know, kind of set that we, we get is, uh, at the beginning of the movie, um, when Leon is hired to, uh, kill, um, a, uh, sort of a, a, new york uh like king, king. kingpin right <laughs> and, yeah yeah i mean let's let's go ahead and start with that because i thought that this was a very cool way to start the movie um you know you're kind of just thrown into it you don't get a lot of uh exposition or anything you might get a conversation between uh leon and tony uh, who's uh kind of tony's like leon's handler i guess um for a lack of a better sense, but you know he, he's the one who kind of like directs Leon on his hits, and um...
1: yeah, contractor. I mean, we understand later on in the film that there's a deeper relationship there, although <laughs> albeit his I bank. do have my comments. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, his bookie. Yeah, exactly. His bank, basically. I do have my comments to say later on when we get into a little bit more discussion about Tony and Leon's relationship. But you're right. He's basically his handler. And whenever Tony's got a job, he hires Leon to do it.
0: Right. And uh, Leon does it well. I mean, this, uh, <laughs> this opening scene, this is not his first rodeo. Um, you know, we just kind of open up with uh, this, this Kingpin. He's come to a New York city apartment or hotel. It was kind of hard to sell. I think it was his own. Sweet. Apartment. Yeah. It's a, a whole suite. Right. And uh, I think it was his because it did have all of these, like, locking mechanisms on the windows and the doors. So, um, you know, (laughs) he has his full uh, security staff with him. And Leon is just – he is a, like, killing machine. He is just, you know, pulling these guys out into the darkness – you know, they're looking over uh, railings, trying to find Tim, and he'll <laughs> be hanging from a railing and work his way up and pull him down. You know, it really reminds me of the. Um, have you seen any videos of the uh, recent Hitman games that have come out?
1: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with
0: Agent Forty Seven. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just you know, he, he's calculating and how he is dispatching of all of these hired security um and it's a great opening scene i was I was super into it and entranced and excited about the rest of the movie if it was going to be anything like this um yeah and i uh, I mean you know at the end uh he kind of does what he's been contracted to do, which is take out all of this uh you know the the mafiosos like um <laughs> uh security. And then, goons. the goons yeah, yeah the goons and uh and then you know hey take take the main guy at knife point and <laughs> give him a phone call yeah
1: i'm pretty sure it was like it was definitely a scare tactic it wasn't a means to actually get the job done but it was amazing how they did it because they they just portrayed the darkness so well but <laughs> it was funny though because you know okay so paint the scenario guys basically we got all the goons are taken now and we got the kingpin and leon basically in a 1v1 match and it seemed like the kingpin had the upper hand because he had just picked up two semi-machine guns that he was holding hand in hand so he you know just based off of the firepower thinking this guy's got an upper hand but he does the classic bad bad guy move. I know that I just use bad twice in the same <laughs> sentence there, but like the classic wrong thing to do as a bad guy, which is there's a man trying to kill you in your house. You're in a room and you just got your guns. And so now I'm going to move. He has a phone. Okay. He has, he has a phone because he just spent that time calling the police. He called the police and it was like, there's a madman in my house trying to kill me, which Maybe not. Also, might be bad guy number wrong, number two. Wrong thing to do. Call the cops on, yeah, yourself. on yourself. Maybe not, not <laughs> maybe not the best thing to do. But maybe he was scared for his life, so he understands that, that at happens.
0: least they won't. Kill but him then this or send him to jail. So <laughs>
1: exactly. But seriously, this guy now with the two machine guns waiting for the cops to arrive just starts going from room to room, hallway to hallway in a frantic panic, trying to get, find out where Leon is. We're like. Any top-notch professional like Leon would just hide in the shadows until his back was turned, which is exactly what happened, and that's how Leon got the jump on him with the
0: knife. Yeah, you got to put your, your back up against the wall, <laughs> no so windows we're staying or anything. In just in the room that you
1: had the two guns with, and you call the police, and that now there's only one way for the guy to get in there, which is the door. Like, yeah.
0: Meanwhile. Do Leon I'm works tight. in the darkness. I mean, this guy—the darkness is who his friend. He even wears sunglasses in the shadows. So uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, he looked cool. Don't get me wrong. This guy cool. was a cool-looking guy, but how he saw things in that really, really dark apartment uh, suite—I'll yeah, never know. I think
0: he just trains his eyes to to get used to the dark. I think <laughs> that's why he wears the sunglasses <laughs> the whole time. Um,
1: yeah. Got cat eyes.
0: So, a cool opening scene, you would agree.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It was definitely that classic, uh, you know. Uh, I, how how did I describe it? Describe it earlier, like one man killing machine intro. Like you know, Rambo has those moments. Arnold Schwarzenegger has those moments when he's just you know Bruce Willis and Die Hard can have those moments. They oh, yeah. they come in they come all across the film. But yeah, it was nice to jump into it just because you know. That's exactly what kind of movie work I was jumping into.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it just you know goes to show the audience what a like you know <laughs> fantastic hitman Leon is, or uh, cleaner uh, is usually what they say in this movie, uh, which I like mm-hmm. that too. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, from there uh, we go into um, kind of Leon's uh, personal life. He he goes after this back to his, uh, apartment where he lives. Uh, like we said before, not, not a very nice apartment. You know, he lives in uh, kind of squalor. Um, but as he does, he passes a, uh, young girl, um, played by Natalie Portman. This was, uh, one of her earliest roles. Um, and, uh, her name in the movie is Matilda. And, you know, she's just kind of uh, kicking her legs over the rails, whatever. I guess, you know, they know each other. They have a rapport. But they don't, you know, they, they know each other more as like, you know, just passing in the halls um, as neighbors. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of get an insight into uh, his life, you know, he when he's not actively doing a uh, cleaning job he's just kind of sitting in a chair and going to sleep and drinking a lot of milk this guy loves his milk he's uh he's yeah never th- breaking a bone on one of his jobs
1: Yeah, don't worry man he'll never ever get osteoporosis his calcium levels are through the roof
0: yeah he is single handedly the- uh <laughs> running out the corner store out of milk
1: yeah basically but it's an interesting point for a movie to do that just because you understand that yeah this man has a very exciting job but how do you come back from that and come back into the real world and as you can see he he doesn't he doesn't really have a, a personal life the most that he does is like you're right the man likes his milk, so he can always make sure that his refrigerator has a little bit of milk in it. He's got this uh, porthos plant; he got he has this plant that he constantly takes care mm-hmm. of. Um, and he's so uh, maybe maybe it's because he's fixated on his job. Maybe it's just because it's all he's got, or it's you know he's bettering himself like a training form or whatever like that to be silent. But for whatever reason, the man cannot relax, so he doesn't have a bed. So, all he does is just cut the lights, keeps his shades on, and just sits in a chair. Not even, I couldn't even tell you if he was sleeping or not. Think just it's the fact that. Man. Just
0: always prepared for somebody to like bust through the door or so you know, like do what he has to do kind of a thing. I think he's just always looking over his back.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's really as exciting as his life is and as good as he is doing it. it I mean, sorry, his job, mm-hmm. not his life. His it's life after his life. work. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't have. <laughs> there's nothing going on. He's basically just existing until the next job.
0: Yeah, and, and this is where we get a little bit of insight into uh, Matilda's life too. Um, she's a uh, a twelve year old girl. We're told, um, you know, probably um, not. Well, okay, so yeah, we, we get we get an insight into her because we hear some yelling uh, coming from her apartment and it's, um, coming from her, uh, father, uh, is I guess a kind of low time, uh, drug dealer or uh, maybe not even a dealer. Really. He's just, holding I, I think on he's to a
1: yeah, he's, yeah, he's part of the smuggling scheme.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the, days dealing with, um, they're accusing him of uh, cutting their uh, stash of cocaine that they had left with him. You know, hey, when we left this with you, it was 100% lab-tested, pure. We get it back, test it. Now it's only 90% pure. You know, hey, hey you're, you're cutting us, um, you know, taking a you know 10% uh, cut out of it. And, um, yeah, so anyways, I mean, they, they kind of give him an ultimatum of – hey figure out who did this if it wasn't you as you keep on saying you're not the one who did it we'll give you until lunch tomorrow to figure out um who's done it and man, right here is where we are introduced to the best character in the movie my opinion um
1: <laughs> which is gary which is gary oldman's, gary oldman's character, character
0: right? yes he plays a uh norman, norman stansfield in this movie so <laughs> You know, I, I knew Gary Oldman was in the movie. I didn't know that this was Gary Oldman because they, they show his, his back for this beginning scene. But, um, I you know, I thought he was just like maybe like a high-level goon or something because it was another guy, uh, Malky, um, who was doing all of the talking with um Matota's Yeah, you're yeah, right. and
1: Yeah. Gar- they're, they're like a combo duo, you know. Yeah. Both both of them are the bosses. they like left and right hand man.
0: Right, and meanwhile, yeah, Gary Oldman's character is is back at turn listening to music while you know Malkey's doing. I I think this is I think the, the character's name is Malkey. This that's what I saw on IMDb. <laughs> um, are you still there? Yeah, no, oh, I was okay. just
1: saying you're you're it is malky correct?
0: Right, right, right. Um. Yeah. So uh, anyways, um, you know, when, when Malky can't get through to Matilda's father, he's like, all right, well, you made me do it. <laughs> and he taps uh, Norman on the shoulder, you know, Norman takes out his, uh, his headphones and God, man, I don't, I don't know that I've seen a character this enticing since uh since we watched Constantine and the uh Satan in that movie um just you right. can't take your eyes off of him whenever he's on screen he's just he's unhinged in this movie uh Gary Oldman is um
1: yeah completely it's almost like a very bipolar he can be manic he can be depressed but he's always just it, immediately it seems like the wrong word in a sentence will snap snap his brain yeah
0: right and so i mean yeah it's just uh <laughs> it is clearly bad news for uh matilda's father here what's happening um i'm sure he is the one who you know uh tried to to cut um their cocaine uh and so i mean you know either way uh kind of what we're also finding out here is um was it during the scene that we see leon watching through um the door Uh, what's going on Uh, yeah
1: so (laughs) classic leon being a peeping tom Tom. (laughs) No, no,
0: no.
1: no you're right he is definitely peeping but uh as this there's two altercations but this is the first mm-hmm. time so the first altercation is literally just a warning and i you're totally right i like gary oldman i thought he did a great job but in my opinion i thought they did a really weird thing here as a, a scare tactic towards matilda's father uh, just because he uh malkey is playing up that to matilda's father that like don't make me get uh, Norman here involved. He doesn't like to get involved. He can, cause if you're t- not telling the truth right now, he, he said, you'll smell the lie off of you. He's like a sixth sense. Yeah. He can smell the lies off of you. And so he gives him a tap on the shoulder and he's got his eight track in listening to classical music, which is kind of his stitch or uh, sorry. What's his, uh, I guess maybe let's call it his calling yeah. card. Gary Oldman's Shit. calling card is the fact <laughs> yeah, that he likes to, He likes to use classical music as a means of his like emotions as he releases them onto his uh, prey in this uh, scenario. But as scary and as intense as Gary Oldman looked, all that fear went away from me when he just started sniffing Matilda's shoulders up and down. Like (laughs) I don't get me wrong. I think it's like, it was a good scare tactic. It worked. And uh, you know, I, I get how it plays to what Malky was saying, but just like that's not scary to me. That's like a, that's more of a weird person smelling. Who huh? is that, Ralph Lauren or just?
0: Oh, what's that smell like? Did you get that? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> what did you have for lunch here? Is that onions? Do I smell onions? I think the goal was <laughs> like that. just you know, like. It's an uncomfortable thing to do because, like, rational human beings do not do that. And, like, this guy is so far gone. And, you know, we'll get to this, but even scarier that, I mean, this guy is a – he's a DEA agent, so he's supposed to be – an officer of the law, Uh, but you know, like he's, it just,
1: he's crooked.
0: He's, he's, I mean, (laughs) as crooked as can be, Jesus Christ. Um, But you know, you don't know that at this point, you think that these guys are also, you know, just drug dealers. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, right. Leon, you know, he's, he's observing through the, uh, the door hole. Um, But I kind of get the sense. I don't know that they ever say this of just, you know, he's kind of, Hey, I want to be on top of things, but don't get involved. You know, don't get involved. Don't ever bring more light to yourself than you need to. Like, you know, my job is, you know, taking care of whatever hits that, uh, Tony gives me. So just, you know, don't get involved. Um, and, uh, well, <laughs> he has no choice but to get involved, um, when it comes, uh, lunchtime the next day, uh, we get a little bit more insight into Matilda's home life. Um, you know, we've already seen kind of her deadbeat father, but uh, it turns out her the rest of her family isn't much better. Um,
1: yes, yeah, so she's a, she's a child of three. She's the middle child. She has a sister that seems like they're at each other's throats constantly, and uh, a pretty airheaded mother is... that turns basically. I mean it seems that the only thing that Matilda's father wants with her is just to, you know, please, please himself with, she's basically just a, um, a sex appeal to the guy. Right. And, but you can tell that Matilda's only real passion, only real love in that family is towards her younger brother, who's, doesn't have any, it's a four-year-old kid. That's basically all we kind of come away with that is, but it's from there that we understand that the family is dysfunctional and uh, Matilda only really cares about her younger brother.
0: Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. So the younger brother, you know, only good thing in her life. Um, And so, yes. uh, So uh, we, we see Leon, getting home passes by Matilda who's you know constantly just seems like hanging out in the hallway is doing whatever to get out of the apartment that you can um I think she's like smoking a cigarette at this point which for a 12 year old yeah she's a,
1: and she, yeah. yeah and she's got a black eye, a black eye so her. which she li- yeah which she lies about you know falling down the stairs or something like that that she says but um the real stitch here is is that, I mean, Matilda's father got the warning from Norman, Gary Oldman's character, that he has until it was like 12 the next day to figure out who had uh, cut the cocaine down. And uh, from what it seems when we were checking out the family side of everything, is that Matilda's father – was just being more airheaded, being more, just not taking the threat seriously enough. And that's when we catch, this is the same time where this is the second instance, we see Leon peeping through the the eye hole again. But at this point now, Gary Oldman's back with his entire crew and uh, is coming to, you know, basically exact his wrath of for not getting, you know, obviously didn't get the answer or whatever this now at, this is an iconic Gary Oldman scene from this film. It's his use of these tiny pills that he carries (laughs) in a small container in his pocket. And he does it crazily. Like, sorry, I don't even know if crazily is a word, but he he does it in a very (laughs) intense way where, yeah, where, um, just to paint the picture for you guys, he's lined up right outside the apartment door before he makes a move, and he pops one of these pills, stares up into the, the ceiling where they place the camera, so there's a nice bird's eye view of his face, and without any water or not how you properly take capsule medication he just bites into it and it must have that
0: sound too you know dubbed over which (laughs) it it hurts
1: (laughs) exactly it's one of those like um if you've if any of you guys are batman fans it's like um bane and his character whenever he gets exposed to the toxic that flows through his veins, it's almost like an instantaneous effect and that seems to be the effect here with these drugs that he takes, which my biggest complaint for the, uh, with this film is with Gary Oldman's character about how we never truly understand what that drug was, what effect did it have? I mean, maybe it added towards his crazy appeal as a character or something like that, but it would have had maybe a little bit of more draw if we understood what that medication was doing towards him or maybe what it was there for how he was getting
0: it i kind of like that they never explain it because it just makes it scarier it's i you know the first time that he did it you're right yeah he's like bringing pills out and i thought that they might give us like you know like a first person kind of like view of what he's seeing after he takes these pills because he like kind of like weirdly like cracks his neck too as he's taking them.
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah, he goes, he he like seizes for a moment before the effect has like a, it's obviously a a relaxing relief effect towards him. I think. And with,
0: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think this guy, I mean, he's, you know, like we said already, he's a, he's a crooked D agent. He's probably taken every drug that's been in the evidence locker. And I think (laughs) I mean this, this thing, like, I don't know what it is, but he's found something that works for him. And makes him, you know, even more unhinged than he is just – his brain is fried, I think, you know.
1: <laughs> no, he is. Uh, there's no point in this film where he seems rational. And it's to the point where it's like, D.A., do you not see this crazy man that's working for you right now? Why don't you keep a better – better tabs on this guy, <laughs> but – his famous one-liner here is the fact that he says, um, "I love these little calms before the storm." Right. As he just kind of finished listening to that classical music, so uh, that's when he kind of uh, goes into his rampage where he takes one of his goons' shotguns and just bursts through the apartment complex and starts, uh, you know, running his rampage. Yeah, slaughters uh,
0: the family.
1: Um, yeah, he slaughters. Matilda isn't here at this point. She's down at the corner mm-hmm. store. She's errands because she promised to go get some milk for uh leon as they pass by like they do on their normal day-to-day interactions and so um leon just you know taking the kind gesture that she was said yeah i'll take i'll take the milk please and so she left but now gary's taking down the whole family except for matilda's father who he has cornered in uh the apartment and I love the fact that Gary Oldman uses these uh, classical over uh, examples throughout his means of uh, you know attacking the apartment, so he starts off with using Beethoven because Beethoven has such these grand overtures that happen in the intro of his songs. And that's exactly how he explained it to Matilda's father. He's like, "I love these intros, stuff of that." And he's like, "Are you a Bach?" He says, "Are you a Bach fan?" Yeah, you don't look like a Bach fan. You're like, I love the beginnings, but you're right; he does tend to get a little old. He does tend to get a little stale. <laughs> uh, which I, I mean, perfect. I think that stuff sounds uh that's amazing. That's music to my ears when it comes to great actors.
0: I know. I, I think. I mean, Gary Oldman, he killed it in this role. um and you did mention Batman earlier. Uh, you know, he was Lieutenant Gordon in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I did want to mm-hmm. ask you if you've ever heard of a movie, uh, it was from the early 2000s called Tiptoes.
1: Mm, okay. No, but I'm going to, I got my computer in front of me. I'm going go look watch it up.
0: It? Absolutely Tell me watch a trailer because it, it is a movie with. Uh, Gary Oldman, uh, Matthew McConaughey, cause you know, he was big at the moment um, before he, you know, kind of had his Renaissance with true detective and stuff, but they, they play brothers, uh, Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey, except Gary Oldman is supposed to be playing a, a person with dwarfism in the movie. Matthew McConaughey is his brother who does not have dwarfism. And, Gary Oldman starts a a love triangle with Matthew McConaughey's wife. And I mean, the, the whole time, like, it's just, it's the weirdest fucking movie. Like, you know, like, first off, why would you not just get, like, an actor that actually, like, does have dwarfism, like, I mean Peter Dinklage is in this movie but they didn't get you know Peter Dinklage to play <laughs> Gary Oldman's part like any time that they show him they just don't show Gary Oldman's legs so like I believe he's just walking next to Matthew McConaughey like on his knees or something and when they do show him he is very obviously just like kneeling on top of two pairs of shoes because the movie had like no budget at all it's it is it is <laughs> amazingly awful <laughs> what was the point of that comment? Oh, just uh, because Gary Oldman. I don't. I mean, like, I I love him, but I, I think he he started taking um. He may have gotten like and a little rolled, bit. You too, too that too much of like an ego. Like, yeah, I can I can play anybody. I can play a a person with dwarfism. It's like I don't think you can, Gary Oldman. I don't. <laughs> Oh
1: man! <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it was one of those films where the man was just—he <laughs> was cast for the part, and he was like, i this might suck, but at least it's a paycheck or something like that." Because I mean, he has great movies. He has—I mean, you're right. He was um, Commissioner yeah. Gordon. He—he's in The Fifth Element, which I personally love. He was in um, the The Darkest Hour, uh, that just recently came out in 2017, which I thought he just killed that right. role. Uh, but uh, you, yeah, to pull to pull one of one of Gary Oldman's movies out of the archives in which he sucked at tiptoes. That that's, that's the one I'll I just need to shine
0: a light on it because it got just buried, you know. And everyone talks about oh Gary Oldman this Gary Oldman that. No, I'm not going to forget tiptoes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is like Sylvester Stallone in that movie that I keep making fun of arm wrestling guy. Um, no, Sylvester no Sylvester Stallone and it was the his his and his mom as a detective. Oh
0: yes. Uh, stop or my mother will shoot or something.
1: yes, yeah, something like that. My god, Oh, I, can't I thought interrupt. you were gonna stop. say
0: he was in a uh, movie yeah, stop, arm Yes,
1: yeah. You're right. No, stop or my mom will shoot. That's the movie I'm talking about. But um anywho, anywho, we're moving on here. Alright. So <laughs> Basically, basically, what happens here is is that, um, to wrap up this scene, uh, Matilda's father was concealing a gun in the corner, basically behind. It was either a curtain or a piece of, uh, you know, like a cabinet or something like that that was standing up. And Gary Oldman gets distracted by his goonies and he fires off his... Uh, fires off the weapon that he had concealed and it basically grazes Gary Oldman's, uh, arm. And then he also takes down one of his henchmen, but in the process gets killed himself. And so, um, Oh, I remember this. The distraction was the, uh, four-year-old boy, the youngest of them, uh, was hiding and he, uh, runs from his hiding place, which spooks, uh, Willie Oneblood, Willie one the one of the Stansfields guys, uh, the like the, the, the henchman. Right. Excuse me. And basically, he unloads his entire clip, basically throughout the entire. Oh my gosh, my apartment like like completely overwhelmingly too much action for this four year old kid that just like basically came out of his hiding yes, spot. Absolutely. But unfortunately, yeah, the four year old gets hit, but that's a perfect distraction for Matilda's father. But all of them end up dying, um, and Gary Oldman gets away with just a grazing to his suit, which he gets super pissed off about. Like it's he's in that crazy stance where he doesn't even care the fact that he got shot. He was fact that the, his his suit got ruined was the real <laughs> the real downer of that whole interaction that
0: happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, just goes to show you what a fucking unhinged guy he is. So it's right around this time that Phil exactly. is coming back from the corner store. With uh,
1: Mm -hmm. and exactly, and basically, the henchmen are still in there because they're trying to find uh, where they stashed the the Mm -hmm. drugs that Matilda's father was hiding. So, um, at this point, um, they're still looking for the drugs. Matilda's walking back. This is kind of a two-part scene that's happening right here. One, the henchmen find out that there are three kids involved and only two of them were killed. So one of them knew that there was uh, a base. Gary Oldman was informing his crew. Hey, look out. There's a third daughter somewhere. We need to go look, go look for her to finish the job. All the while there's a henchman waiting outside, just making sure that no one comes in the hallway to disrupt what's going on. And Matilda realizing that there's some crazy stuff happening and sees her brother, um, I believe it's either... I believe it's the brother or the older, oldest daughter, her uh, her oh, sister. Like, yeah. But basically, yeah, she puts on that straight face and just walks directly past Leon's apartment and just starts knocking with the groceries. And this was a fantastic acting job with the fact that she was just trying to look Natural as, as
0: possible. Right. As natural
1: as possible as her life just gets thrown. Everything that she had even if she hated them, you know, they are dead on the floor right in front of her. And she puts on the the straight face and Leon now has to make the decision. Do I let her go and not get involved or do I save this girl? That's only showing me kindness and stuff of that. So,
0: right. So he's already looking through uh, the door hole. She's kind of saying under her breath, like, please, 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 you know, and he, he does kind of uh, almost begrudgingly, Decide to get involved, opens up the door, you know, pulls her in. And there's one of the, uh, you know, the guys, one of the henchmen that they just have watching the hall, who's watching this whole interaction. And, you know, he's seen her and um, it's, you know, after Leon already pulls him in, that's when uh, the other two guys come out and they say, Hey, there's there's a, you know, daughter in this picture that, uh, you know, isn't is one of the ones that we killed here. And, You know, I think Mm -hmm. they can tell right away that um, (laughs) it's it's Matilda. Uh, But yeah, it was it was really
1: fifty fifty. But I think at the end of the day, the henchman kind of brushed it off, just because that of the role. I think it was the acting that she did right there to play off like she didn't even, you know, she was just staying straight ahead, just going to the door, and the fact that Leon answered the door kind of sealed the deal. Like, is he, is he like, is this henchman really going to go investigate the apartment of this guy that he doesn't know when they're just trying to get this job done to try and find this third daughter who might not even be the real daughter, or is he just going to be like, nah, well, she's got to be somewhere else. And I think he goes right the ladder. But, um, before we move on, I just want to make a little fun fact, uh, because I just actually through my research here found out. So that specific henchman that was waiting at the door, um, there was this a uh, Nickelodeon TV show that you might remember back when I was growing up called Ned's Declassified School <laughs> I, I do Survival Guide. Ned's
0: Declassified School Survival Guide.
1: Fantastic. I personally loved that movie when I was or loved that show when I was, you know, twelve, thirteen years old. But there's a science teacher in that show named Mr. Sweeney, who's like the diabolical science yeah. teacher that Ned always gets in trouble with and stuff like that. That is the same actor that plays this henchman that's waiting that outside. That henchman the door. is
0: extra, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yes, he. Is. So I did think it was uh, weird you know that a Gary Oldman played friend.
0: Coconut Head. <laughs> 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 He's a great actor. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> I, I, you
1: know, if he can play the the dwarf, the dwarfism of tiptoes, he can definitely I, get away playing a middle schooler with a bowl a bowl cut. this is a
0: dumb show um
1: no it's all good stuff uh, and i know everyone else who listens to this that's watched nickelodeon would love that fact (laughs)
0: um so i would say at this point in the movie i was 100 percent on board with this movie i was you know i was loving everything i had seen so far and i you know i thought i kind of had the movie figured out where it was going, I was like, okay, this is going to be, you know, a uh, sort of father-daughter dynamic. You know, we've seen it hundreds of times, you know, even you know, like video games, like um, The Last of Us, you know, Joel and Ellie, like, you know.
1: Taking on a guardian responsibility, yeah, you know. Ab- soul. surrogate
0: daughter, you know, under his wing, um, you know, she's going to want to, you know, start – doing hits and stuff like that. And he's going to kind of begrudgingly get her into that. And, you know, at the end of the movie, there's going to be a, you know, heartfelt goodbye or what, but no, that's not where the movie (laughs) ended up going as it turns out. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it was, it was definitely a turn for me as well, because I I agree with you. I think there was always going to be an act of vengeance and it's immediately addressed from matilda when she's talking with leon about i'm sorry she's like leon's like i'm sorry about your family and stuff like that but she just goes family member by family member saying i hated her i hated him i hated her and then leon's like why are you crying then it's because she killed they killed my four-year-old brother like what did he ever do he's a, he's a four-year-old kid and so from immediately we know that she holds hate in her heart towards these people um but yeah, I totally agree with you. The fact that this whole scene leads up to the fact that Matilda accidentally opens up uh, Leon's briefcase that's filled with weapons. To, and then Leon, who he's, I, I and I know this, the, the role he was playing, but he's so naive. Really is. He's he's almost like, he's he almost, he's almost like clumsy in a sense. You know, I feel like he's walking flat footed with, you know, two left feet, even though he's a professional in his career, in his personal life, in the way that Matilda's throwing him for curveball. He, he's walking like Yeah, he's a so fan.
0: calm and collected and, in like the beginning scene and, you know, he's on top of everything and everything's in his control. And then, you know, anytime that he's trying to have a interaction you know like in his personal life is just like you know yeah you're right i mean he just like he's he's bumbling almost
1: yeah it's a little bit of bumble stutter uh yeah exactly but um and, and i feel like leon does it here immediately when he's like not even tries to hide the fact he just tells it he's like i'm a cleaner yeah, right <laughs> like so, you kill people that's what you do for a living. He's like yep that's what I do <laughs> and and you're absolutely right that's when Matilda comes in and says, "Hey, teach me how to clean you know i'll take I'll take care of your laundry i'll you know do the groceries. All you have to do is pay me back is to teach me how yes. to clean
0: He doesn't want and to at first, at first you know he says it it's, yeah, it's nothing that you know a young girl should be." Um, experienced, in, or I don't, you know, like it, it's no place for you, you know, young girl like you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so many reasons. There's so many reasons <laughs> why it was a bad idea. It- and so, yeah, I mean, that's, at beginning, at the beginning, it's it's a no, it's a straight up strict no, and it's almost to the point where it's he's fighting how he should be dealing with her. I mean, he's, he just saved her life? But he he knows what his real life is about. You can't just have her around, and but at the same time, where's she supposed to go? She's only this small young girl, and who just got hit with this huge life-changing uh, experience. And you can tell from um, the scene that takes place after because Gary—I mean, sorry, excuse me—Leon just tells her, "Hey, let's sleep, and we'll wake up in the morning and figure out where to go next." But Leon, fighting with what to do next. Literally walks into the room at one point with a silenced pistol and puts it to her head <laughs> while she's sleeping because she says, well, Ash, "Why don't I just take this out right now? This is my responsibility. This is you're supposed to be dead anyways. You're you're living on borrowed time." But then uh, he uh, decides not to do it. He decides, "Yeah, no, that's not the way to go about it." And then then they, they wake up the next morning and decide what
0: to do next. Is this the point where she like wildly shoots a gun into the street? wasn't that in his apartment do you remember that I, it was either yes. in the apartment or in the yeah. hotel that they do but i like i think to, to get them to go to like a different location or something
1: you no know, yeah it, it was definitely saying that she, it was that was at the very first discussion the fact that she just takes the pistol and starts firing it aimlessly into the road um but you're right. That was just to show that, like, hey, I can I can clean. I know how to fire a gun. And stuff <laughs> I like guess that. so,
0: but, but man, the- I want to see what was on the other side of those like six just random <laughs> rocks that you fired out. Like, this is New York City. Like, you you can't like throw a rock without hitting somebody. Like,
1: <laughs> my my best guess is that that apartment window was facing like a, a brick wall to another. <laughs> in my in, all honesty, I don't believe that window would have been pointing out towards the street. I, it would probably have been just been pointing out towards like another apartment window, like a, a neighboring apartment complex yeah. or building or whatever like that. So I'm sure she just fired like six shots into like a brick wall.
0: God, I hope so. I saw that. I was just like, what? I mean, yeah. I, my
1: experience in New York. That's what my guess is, but who knows, man? She could. She could have definitely just took out some pigeons and like. So no yes, lady.
0: that that forces them to then leave the apartment. That. Uh, Leon has and they move into a, uh, a hotel room
1: exactly exactly. and um, this is when we find out that Matilda actually has some uh, some sway on people she's she's clever for her age she knows how to lie she can get into places where normally you wouldn't think you'd be mm-hmm. able to get to because she bypasses the bell um, The, the uh, bell, like what do they, they call them or- bellman yeah, the desk manager with ease, and the fact that she even got them an apartment at the end of the hallway where you know they, they won't be distracted or anything like that, just because she pretends to be uh, a violinist mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, so um, the, I believe are we not at the, also at the scene where Matilda basically is gives Leon the ultimatum uh, with with uh, killing herself?
0: Yeah, no, that is this scene.
1: Good. Good. Well, why don't you get? why don't you
0: delve into good. that a little bit? it's um, <laughs> just a weird way to phrase. It. Now, are we at the part where the little guy threatens to kill Good. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I don't track. know, man. There's so much that happens in this movie. I, I feel like maybe we should just go into like uh like uh, just just Let's boil just, okay, this down you're right you're to, right you know maybe like a training i totally montage agree. or something like that <laughs> someone someone turn yeah. on rocky
1: rocky but you're totally <laughs> right you're totally right i think we should just montage this lab. point. so <laughs> exactly you're, you're at the top of the stairs man fists <laughs> in the air but the one point, guys, that I was trying to make was that Matilda's at a point right now that she knows that Leon is trying to get rid of her as fast as she can. And the only thing she wants to do is to learn how to clean, to gain vengeance for her dead brother now. And so she gives Leon the basically an ultimatum saying, you know, if you even care for me a little bit, if you, have, you, you must have cared for me at one point because you saved my life. But if there's no care for me at all, then me killing myself right here won't have any effect right. on you. But if, but if you have one inkling of feeling for me and you keep me from killing myself, then you have to teach me how to clean. And right as she was about to pull the trigger, Leon moves her hand out of the way and she, she blows up the lamp mm-hmm. that's next to them. Uh, Very, very intense scene with just the fact that this girl is so messed up in the head right now with her emotions and her feelings. And the, she only has one thing on her mind that she thinks, you know, why not just kill myself now? Because if you if you let me go right now and put me on the streets, I'll be right, dead. Laser tomorrow.
0: focused on this one objective. Um. All right, exactly. Training montage Don. Uh <laughs> All right, there's plenty of milk that uh, yeah. is drank between the two of them. You know, Leon he wants Matilda to uh, basically just follow in his lifestyle, so she is constantly drinking milk along with him. Um, they're also doing a whole yeah. bunch
1: of man, that's <laughs> killer.
0: They're doing a whole bunch of setups. I guess uh, some good, you know, core strength is essential for being a hitman we we, i mean we know we saw with leon when um you know he had to pull that guy down from the uh (laughs) the staircase in the opening scene you know this is this guy's pretty strong so
1: Mm -hmm, for for sure uh
0: they also um we get a cool little scene in here where uh leon goes to visit tony who we mentioned earlier in this episode tony is sort of maybe like one of the heads of, it seems like um, there's like little Italy area. Yeah. uh, And mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's the guy who kind of, you know, is above Leon and gives Leon uh, the hits that he has to do. He also collects all of Leon's Exactly. Kind of doles it out to him whenever he needs it and stuff like that. But um, we get a cool little scene in here of uh, Leon going into Tony's uh, front. Um, You know, I think he, uh, whatever, sort of store or restaurant he owns um, as a front for his operation. And, uh, you know, Tony's like, Hey, I I got you what you asked for. it seems like a pro like you, uh, you know, shouldn't need this, at this point. And Leon's like, well, you know, I got to stay sharp. Um, You know, I got to go back to the basics and stay sharp. And (laughs) we find out that it's a, um, like a ranged uh, rifle with a scope. And, um, you know, it, it it was kind of cool, like, you know, I like it when you get sort of an insight into, um, like, the world of – it's something that, like, you know, you and I have, like, no insight into, that, okay, only amateurs, you know, they need to, like, take out their targets from, um, like, a long range. And then when you get to be a pro, oh you know, right. then you can use – uh something closer range like a knife but you got to start you know with the basics with this long range <laughs> so he takes matilda up to a rooftop right. and you know they they get down on a mat they set up you know this scoped rifle it you know it even has like a uh like bipod on it <laughs> to keep it stationary and at this point you know i've seen this in like pictures and trailers of this movie but i was like are they just gonna like shoot a random person <laughs> you know he's explaining to her um uh, no you you, you want to keep the scope cap on until the very last minute you know otherwise uh, somebody might catch the reflection in the scope and anyways they're targeting this guy who's you know he he has security detail around him but you know he looks like he might mm-hmm. you know he he doesn't look like a like bad person he looks like he has security detail on him because he he might be like famous yeah. or a politician or something like that. And, definitely. Uh, definitely, he's just out for politician. a jog. And anyway, she gets him in his sight. Like Jesus Christ, man! Like they're just gonna kill this guy. And uh, it ends up being like <laughs> paintball. <laughs> but I thought that that was a pretty cool. Yeah, skill.
1: the gun. The gun itself looked very realistic. But you know, I guess that's like the appeal for most paintballs and airsoft guns stuff like that is to make them look as real. Yeah, possible, this one did not but, have an orange. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mm-hmm. no orange tip on it exactly this part was kind of like a little bit of a comic relief because of the way that the uh paul's so-called politician to think that were he was shooting at was wearing his jog suit out in the middle of the central park and immediately after getting shot he gets jumped on by a security detail like protecting him from any other assailants yeah. or whatnot so a kind of funny moment just for the fact that it didn't actually kill her um And uh, so that's kind of the long range deal, which you you made mention of, which is uh, also, I appreciated the fact that, you know, that's how it actually works with assassins. You know, the farther the way that's more novice of an assassin you are, the closer you get, that's when you're considered more professional. Um, And that's also when we cut to another scene where we actually, well, it's a, it's a montage scene of uh, Matilda and Leon going from, basically different apartments to do these different hits. And this is Matilda's uh, role in getting Leon in to do the hit, which was get to the apartment door, put gum over the eye hole and basically prevent the guy from looking to the people to see. And uh, Leon has some wire cutters so that whenever Matilda knocks on the door, tries to get the person to open the door All he's doing is opening the door slightly enough so you know it has that lock chain mechanism that most old apartment complexes had at the time. And when that happens, then Leon would just clip the chains and then bust through the door. Exactly. So this is just mostly a montage. The only time we actually see it for real is the first time. And uh, the first time, it's Matilda, who looks like she's the one that's going to be doing the killing. Um and it's actually another paintball pistol and stuff like that. So Leon's giving her the hey, aim at the chest and then one uh, like aim at the stomach to subdue and then in the chest to kill, because you know you want to make sure that you're getting the kill shots yeah. here, pop bob, bob with the paintballs while he's freaking out because he thinks that, you know, he's about to get killed. But then actually when he like starts being like, Hey man, what the hell is this? Leon actually comes with a real gut blast <laughs> the twice. <old> fake out. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a fake out from the paint guns being like, "Am I on punk right now?" Where's Ashton Kutcher me. popping out from the corner right now? But no, you actually got really oh, Ashton Kutcher
0: in your trucker hat.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And this is also a time where we notice that uh, Matilda takes out this guy was cutting drugs. He was must have been the person that. Matilda's father was getting framed for beginning because that's what it seemed like was happening in the apartment complex was this. um, He was obviously a drug dealer, drug smuggler kind of thing. And Matilda destroys the uh, equipment and with gasoline burns all the product and everything like that. So uh, something that you think Matilda's father was
0: sort of uh, framed in the beginning.
1: Uh, whether or not he was or not, he got killed for the fact that he didn't do what he said it he was going to do and find out who right. actually was because Gary Oldman's character knew that Matilda's father wasn't the person that cut it, but it was figure his it job out. to do okay. so.
0: Oh yeah. That's figure it out.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, for all I know, man, I could be absolutely wrong. And this guy had, and he did it. He, Who cares? He gets wiped away immediately in the five minute scene that he that's has true. with Leon. But um, the, all the, the important thing here is that Leon from this point of view is thinking more outside of what his job was, because you know Matilda's burning the product, and one of Leon's golden rules as being assassin is to kill no women or no children can't kill women or children, and so the fact that she starts burning the product and he goes, "What are you doing that for?" And he says, "Well, this goes out to the streets. how many women and children do you think this stuff's going to kill so Leon's getting a better understanding of the trickling effect that this drug empire that they're hitting on, or maybe maybe it's just because it's Tony's rival business. We don't really know for sure. There's a lot of to be uh, to kind of uh, yeah right. what I'm looking um, for here. There's for in terms of what the bad guys are doing, what their job is what they're trying to accomplish it's very iffy about what we truly understand what leon's doing with these hitmen like why he's trying to kill uh these guys what's gary oldman's stake in the drug game we don't really know for sure and what does tony have to do with you know uh how does tony benefit from, from leon right, killing yeah, the these the movie guys? doesn't
0: really explain too much to you we're just kind of extrapolating from you know what what we can hear with details um
1: Again, yeah. Again, Luke Besson. That's yeah, it French, right? Like it. <laughs> good, good. Well, he again. We're strictly focusing more and more on the relationship between Leon and Matilda here, other than the side details that happen with you know the business and Tony's and Gary Oldman's. You know, what 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 kind of crimes are they actually getting really involved with? We don't really know. Uh, but again, yeah, it seems like our main uh, viewing point here is just realizing that Leon is teaching Matilda and they're developing the relationship as a, a master in training. And I
0: wish uh, that's where the development of the relationship ended, but they, you know, I feel like the movie didn't need this turn, but, you know, over time, you know, with all this training and working closely together uh Leon and Matilda have grown close you know he they like i said earlier you know i was thinking it was going to be kind of like a, a a surrogate father surrogate daughter kind of scenario but um i mean matilda being 12 she as we understand it actually kind of yeah. grows a crush on leon who being an older man
1: yeah it's no a crush is like a, well, a yeah. nice word to put it it's it's cool. Love, it's full on. She is straight in love with this guy. She tells him that
0: she loves him. I mean, he he Mm. doesn't reciprocate in words, but then he does do like things that I, you know, informs the audience that he loves her too. You know, it might not be in a like, you know, uh, (laughs) wanting a relationship way, but I mean, you know, some of the things that he does, and I just like it, it. It was just a very icky uh, kind of subplot in the movie (laughs) that I think the movie would have been just fine without it. I mean, it is interesting to put into a film, I guess is the nicest thing I can say about that, but like, it definitely wasn't needed. Um, What do you, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I don't want to say, I I disagree.
1: Well, no, I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I want. Really, really, really want. I want to, I want to really, really, really want to, <laughs> <a zig-zag. laughs> want to be a <laughs> No, I'm or... <laughs> I think this movie did need something like this, just because um, Matilda's not a cold-blooded killer to start with. She's just a regular twelve-year-old girl. Yeah, she's in a abusive family lifestyle, what whatnot, But I mean, she's still a like a developing twelve-year-old girl that's you know finding out more and more about you know, life and the way she feels. And like, she obviously, you know, like any young preteen are just fucking chock filled with emotions and, you know, and hormones and crap like that. So I, okay. In my opinion, guys, you know, taking away the director's private life out of it completely, just focusing on the film for itself. This is a girl who got rescued by a a man that's always been kind to her whenever she's been low. I mean, you know, it might be something small, like just a hi, how are you in the in the hallway? But I mean, at the end of the day, this girl appreciated that she had someone in her life that wasn't hitting her, leaving her with black eyes or a sister that hated her guts, guts that wanted her dead all the time. You know, things like that. And so especially with the fact that Leon saves her life twice because one from the henchmen and then two from her killing herself because she wanted this is she Leon's helping her fuel her vengeance for her brother. You know, Um, we start to understand more about how she's starting to develop these love feelings. And I mean, Leon is this which I'll, we'll learn a little bit later on about Leon's past because he's basically uh, a, fu- a fugitive on the run. Uh, we, Leon's always been this, he doesn't know any better. You know, he's, he's outside of what he does for a living, which is killing. He doesn't know anything about happiness or, uh, you know, real genuine um, like affection from people. I mean, other than what he had in his, in his his past, you know? So I think in this scenario, it's okay because there's only one real scenario where it tiptoes the line. And at that, uh, um, I don't know if I should bring up the scene because it's a little farther into the movie, but that the scene that tiptoed the line for the movies was actually taking out of the movies So they didn't have it in the theaters when it came back out in the 1990s because it was a little bit raunchy. Again, guys, just if you haven't seen this movie, there's no kissing. There's no any sexual advances here and stuff like that. It's Matilda dressing up in a dress that Leon bought for her. and uh, But it it gets a little crazy because the way that Matilda turns the conversation. Um, But at the end of the day, though, the the movie gets this scene cut back to it when they make a remastering of it 10 years later. And I think at the end of the day, their relationship at it's still one that Matilda might look up to Leon as her lover, you know, someone that she adores and admires, but, uh, Leon never makes that advance. He never crosses the threshold. It's never it never gets into the gross side I believe in my opinion even even though that it was something at the very end where the, he confesses his love to them right before the, the the final climax of the movie the love is still true something as in um leon was someone that was in the dark and you brought me into the light you show me that there's there's reason for me to live there's reason for me to have happiness and you show me that it's not something like i i love you for your your body and for your you know your your hot you're right you're attractive it's, it never no, it no, never no, reaches no, it that
0: place and yeah i mean uh, i would have turned the movie off i <laughs> mean if it got to that point but, uh, well, it never would Made a movie because that's called yeah, child pornography but, and you're right I mean yes, in in the story of this world, yes, Matilda is a twelve year old girl, and twelve year olds in general you you know either guy or girl, are just so full of hormones that I mean, you know, you can fall in love with a tree. Like, you know, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Tia from
1: Bob's Burgers that she's like, oh, I love
0: this goose. <laughs> I think boy that, that <laughs> aspect of it, I didn't have an issue with because that is realistic. Like, yes, that's it is it is something that I like, you know, find icky, but what um what I didn't like it, it was I feel like at some points of the movie, like the camera and the writing seemed to sexualize Matilda, who i mean you know this wasn't a eighteen year old Natalie Portman who was playing a twelve year old Matilda I mean you know Natalie Portman was also like <laughs> underage at this point, I mean even like um the, you know they're they're growing close, Matilda and uh, Leon. But you know she says to him at one point, "Hey, all we do is train. Like, you know, I, I want to have some fun." And
1: mm-hmm. yeah, let's have some so fun. What she wants exactly. to do I scene.
0: Is sort of play, um, not charades. Yeah, guess who guess, I am. guess who I am. guess who I am? Like, like dress like, up, you know, guess who I, I am. get in a costume, get in an act, and guess who I am. And at one point she does a Marilyn Monroe. Uh, routine where she's kind of you know trying to sed- it's the it's the yes, happy yes, birthday yes. president she's getting song all breathy and like trying to be seductive and yeah singing happy birthday Mr President to um, Leon and like I was like why is this in here you know like I, I if they didn't want to like I can understand her being attracted to an older man but I feel like that was an aspect of the writer, you know, Luke Besson and director wanting to also somewhat sexualize this young girl. And like that stuff, I was just like, I, do I need to skip through this? Like, and I don't know, stuff like that. It was just like, that, and then she goes from there into like a Charlie Chapman routine. So like, you know, it was like totally disconnected. But, um,
1: I thought the one, I thought the one that was even more, um, intense than the Maryland and the, okay so first yeah. I'm reading facts about this so I'll bring it to the table Besson asked Portman in the film if she knew how to do any celebrity impressions so that they they can bring that scene together and do whatever she thought that she could do a good impression of so she was obsessed with like Gene Kelly and uh, Madonna as at the time and she but she also liked Marilyn Monroe but the reason that she did Marilyn Monroe is because she really liked the way that Mike mile Mike Myers, excuse me, impersonated Monroe in, <laughs> okay. in Wayne's World. So <laughs> you see them when, when they're like that. They're having that. Uh, they just had sex scene, and then in, in Wayne's World and stuff yeah. like that. And she, so she gets on the phone, and she's doing. He's doing his Marilyn. So he, she thought that was hilarious. And but it wasn't the Marilyn Monroe Madonna. thing that threw me off. It was the yeah. Madonna routine, and she's. And she's wearing her, you know, like uh, lingerie outside of her clothes, That's which I thought was a little, I mean, I get it. It, it was. It that one like was a little margin. bit more uh, intense. Yeah, but exactly. But um, the best part of that whole scene, I know that we're getting I'm talking about that thing, but the fact that uh, she does the singing in the rain routine with Gene Kelly, and in the beginning of the film, the only time that we really see leon have any enjoyment of his outside life is when he goes and sees gene kelly uh in the movie theaters which i always always love when films have that portrayal of someone going to watch a movie in the movie theaters and they always just put the camera right in front of their face as they like look up into the screen and at this point Leon just has like a big old smile on his face because he just loves the way that Gene Kelly dances and sings in the movie. And it's just like the only excitement he has in his life. And, uh, they, they always did like, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, um, that movie that just came out when she goes and sees her own film and she does that. I I just love those cameras. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, totally. I, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's actually the first thing that came to mind too, was once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, Where she goes and sees herself in a film. For some reason, I can't remember the name Mm -hmm. of the uh, woman that she was playing. But, anyways, uh, that's besides the point. (laughs) Moving on. All right. I mean, you know, like, yes, obviously, do not want to linger on that aspect of the film.
1: Yes, we have shared our opinions on the sexualization of their relationship, but we have our own opinions exactly exactly um i think the more i think at this point we should move on to the part where um matilda goes and tries to do the job on her own that's so she
0: feels like she has a little bit of experience under her belt and so uh what she does is um she actually goes to the like dea office um with in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in New York, like yeah. the DEA, with the it. intent of killing crazy. Norman. Um, now she knows uh, she overhears um, him. Uh, when, well, let me back up. She goes to uh, her old apartment in order to grab her uh, father's stash of money that he uh, kept in the floorboards. Mm-hmm. At that point, uh, Norman and two other DEA officers. Two that actually seem like they may not be crooked, but they're just you know here to investigate what what happened, what went wrong.
1: <laughs> dumb, yeah, dumb as a fuck of nails, maybe I'm willfully
0: ignorant, ignorant, but um. And so there, she overhears Norman say, "Hey, you know, if you really or I don't know, he like says what office he's in. Um, he says, you know, come see me right in this office if uh, you know, you, you want the whole story or something like that."
1: Yeah. If you want the whole story. Yeah. So he, yeah, the, the two, co- the two officers are trying to figure out what happened at that scene. And Gary, Gary Oldman's trying to d- describe it. for the fact that, Hey, he fired first, we fired back. That's what happened because not only did he kill this guy, but he also right. got dead kids here as well. And this is where we did the famous line where Gary Oldman's like, I ain't got time for this <laughs> Mickey Mouse bullshit. Oh, he's great in this. But So. Um, uh, yeah, but again, it just goes to show that this, uh, the backstory needed to be a little bit more developed into this Gary Oldman story, just because he's a crazy guy. We get it. He's into the drug game, he has henchmen, but these henchmen also work with him at the DEA. He's a DEA officer, and these officers come in to try and get the story, and he, like, they don't get anything out of him. And instead, it's just like, you know, you guys, fuck off! I'm trying to do my job. If you want to know the story, then yeah, that's exactly where um, Matilda learns that she, Gary Oldman's office is, you know, room room blah blah in, in the DEA. It.
0: I think so. Now she I would watch a prequel to, to this movie, <laughs> centering around Norman, where maybe he's just you know a uh, a fresh, uh, clean, young, uh, aspiring DEA officer, and uh, you know he accidentally takes one of the pills that he found in the medicine or the uh, evidence locker.
1: Accidentally.
0: He has way. to take uh, pills every day for, um, you know, he accidentally picked up malaria uh, in, a, in a trip to, he was in, um, <laughs> you know, so, sort of like a green organization. Lanka <laughs> And they got he got yeah, bit yeah, by the mosquito, and now he's uh, got yellow. He feet. was building up houses <laughs> for um some people, and anyways, he's in the evidence. God, library. what a, good he has guy. To a malaria pill! And he he faints and he uh he knocks into another bottle of pills and he gets them mixed up. Yeah, the chemical X One of them pills, is a, a green and uh, <laughs> white cap, the other one's like a bluish green and white cap, and yeah, so anyways, just spirals down from there. <laughs>
1: dude are you a director god that's that sounded you must be a story writer because that is just
0: picture yeah, perfect goal you know we can what? make a million dollars right off that right this now. episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly we just we say copyright a couple of times does it actually become copyright <laughs> okay. you know it does so you already know Matilda, the answer to that question she uh we've explained how she knows where uh norman's office is and actually what she does here, I mean, she's using, <laughs> you know, the she's using her like young girl uh, aesthetic to an advantage. I mean, she kind of, you know, gets by all of the initial uh, security by just looking like, you know, a a, a delivery girl um, delivering lunch to the office. And I mean, I think it's like a great way to get around it. It's yeah, basically. That somebody like Leon isn't able to do because he's, you know, a, <laughs> a man in his forties. That yeah, yeah, a grown man like system. he wouldn't be able to
1: do it. And and he's already mentioned before. He's already mentioned before the reason, the why, he wouldn't do the hit, in to begin with, because that was Matilda's one and first question. Hey, you're a clean man, why don't you hit these guys that just hit my family? Yeah, too hot. He says it's too hot. It's, it's too hot, which is obviously, I mean, you're going into literally like a, a federal office building yeah. filled with cops. That's a, <laughs> that seems pretty hot to me. And um, so, the whole, so this basically leads to Matilda following um, Norman into the men's bathroom. And um, she goes in to follow after him and she basically enters the bathroom only seeing that one of the stall doors is closed because she can't see from the initial action. So she walks all the way to the stall where no one's in there. And Norman who uh, does this a couple of times and it's kind of a, it's like sinister move. I would assume <laughs> is hiding behind the door.
0: It's great. Yeah. He, the door closes and he's already, hiding it's
1: very, the door. it's very classic it's move.
0: Like this guy is a villain. <laughs>
1: he does has a very villain-esque villain-esque yeah and it seems like he he, not only does have a couple calling cards like the classical music and the hiding behind the door but you know now matilda's in a place where she's like uh she's stuck in a corner nowhere to go and uh he yeah and then norman pops pops another pill which, in my opinion, I feel like Norman popping pills is kind of his instinct yeah. to go into yeah, kill mode. Uh,
0: it basically just mm-hmm. means, hey, there's going to be some death here. Um, yeah, so he's kind of getting exactly. into his He but, asks, um, you know, who sent
1: you? Who are you? Who yeah. are, what you? are you? What are you doing? Sure. Who are you? Who's, this,
0: who's this girl? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Can I, I help lost? you, madam? I don't know who you are. <laughs> basically, yeah. And uh it's the only reason that this whole thing gets stopped is interrupted is because one of the henchmen, um who <laughs> I'm blood, name yeah. Willy one blood With dreads Willie One Blood comes in comes in and informs Norman that uh Malky, his partner, just got killed. And so basically uh he's freaking out now because how, how could that have possibly happened? And which, um, uh, and this is a little bit of important information that I feel is worth mentioning. No one has ever seen Leon. Yes. No one knows what this guy looks like. Not even the person at the very, very beginning who he had a knife to the back of the throat is. He came from the shadows, put the knife to his throat and then left into right, the shadows. Before told the he guy totally what did. he looks like. Yeah. Exactly. The only Tony knows who he looks like. Exactly. That's an important piece here. So while the he- Willie One Blood is explaining to Norman what happened, why did Malfy get whacked? Is because he was down in Chinatown doing business, and this random—I think they called him a Frenchman or Italian man—they called him a European mm-hmm. guy wiped wipe them all out. Right. So um, basically, now Norman, who's distraught, not knowing what's going on, tells Willie One Blood, take. Matilda up to my office while uh, Gary uh, Gary Oldman's character Norman goes and does uh, obviously he has to figure out some investigations. He's got to find out who just killed his partner. And during that time, when Matilda's up there with um, <laughs> Mr. Sweeney from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, or <laughs> uh, no, I was messing. But Willie One Blood and that, that specific henchman are up there watching after her. Leon manages to just busts through the front door, makes it all the way up to the office, which, again, crazy how, that he's getting into a federal office building with weapons and stuff like that, undetained, un, and kills both of them and saves Matilda's life. So, despite his own warnings to himself, he goes back by, he goes against his own rules and goes into, uh, the, the, he goes into a too hot situation. Yeah, I think,
0: Matilda. I mean, he knows this is, Ultimately, gonna be his downfall, but right. I mean, he
1: there's gonna maybe consequences. Maybe he doesn't know it's his downfall, but this it's it's too hot. There's gonna be consequences. Yeah, no, this but he doesn't have a the, and, You
0: know, it goes in to save her. Um,
1: yeah, and it almost seems too good to because they leave and it's fine and they get away with it, but you know. As you saw earlier, when Matilda started shooting at the, the wall and, you know, got kicked out of the apartment complex that they were at and stuff like that, they didn't relocate. They didn't relocate positions. Um, so it seems that, like, even though that Matilda was bringing all this light to Leon's life and that she cared about her so much, he, she, she was um, gum in yeah. the works. She was greasing the gears, if you know what I'm saying. She was, yeah. She, he was. she was wearing Taylor his rose tinted the one glasses
0: time after she told the desk manager that they were lovers or something. Yeah. So they. they oh, they did right. Yeah, that time. was.
1: <laughs> but again, again, I. But I think we both agree that that was, yeah, pretty much useless information. I mean, maybe just to grab a laugh, maybe to scare the bejesus out of the uh, desk manager at the hotel that they first went into. That we mentioned but again
0: yeah who cares anyways who, um, who cares <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry i hate to say that about movies but come on who cares that yeah so um
0: I, we we do get a little bit of a backstory about leon uh, you know i don't know if this was important it might inform his character a little bit though about um you know how he did become a hitman and it's uh leon
1: mm-hmm. It also cements Leon's and Tony's relationship. Yeah, so just, I mean he, but go ahead. he's
0: Italian. Um, and uh, he was in love with a you know girl who came from a wealthy family. Um, the two you know loved each other uh and, and you know wanted to get married, but um, the girl's father didn't approve of their relationship because Leon wasn't really like, he didn't well, he didn't come from a wealthy family, but he also wasn't educated. I mean, you know, he's yeah, not even off. able to uh, read. And that's one of the things that Matilda is read. teaching him to do, kind of in exchange for her training. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, out of anger, he kills, uh, you know, the girl's father. And um, yeah, I mean, he.
1: Well, the, the, the father in anger and in the hub, hubbubaloo or whatever that kills... Oh,
0: sorry. He uh, killed the girl. Daughter kills his daughter. Out of revenge, kills Leon kills the father.
1: Out of vengeance. Yeah. Exactly. But now he's on the run. He hops on the next boat that takes him to America, and that's where he gets introduced to Tony. And uh, I, to be honest, I think this is a good time to bring up Tony and Leon's relationship because Tony acts like a guardian to Leon, but at the same time, though, is no, not looking out for advantage. Leon's best interest. Absolutely. Tony's looking out for his best interest. So that's why, and we'll talk about it again when Matilda meets up with Tony at the very end of the movie as like a last final thing. Um, but uh, anytime that Leon goes in to ask for money, it, it, Tony does not want to give up his money. Tony does not want to give Leon all of his money. He Says, "Hey, man, if you need some money? I'll throw you some money from your 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 you know your extensive bank account that you have with me." But you know, why do you want to leave? You know, he's always trying to make sure that he's not going to lose his best <laughs> hit, man. This is the guy that's making him money. Make sure that he's you know staying the the the, the Italian kingpin yeah, of Little Italy in New York something or something along like the lines that. Of
0: like, old Tony's better than a bank because I'm not going nowhere. <laughs>
1: oh so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like no, no one's gonna get you know. No, he's like those guys at the banks are crooks, and no one's ever gonna get the fool over Tony. Yeah, he (laughs) repeats that line a couple of times. But although Leon is in debt to Tony for taking him in in a time when he had nothing, and now Leon looks at Tony as a guardian, and Matilda looks after Leon. I mean, looks up to Leon, thinking that Leon has all the answers. It's a it's a chain effect of doing Tony's business. So I think in this movie, as Tony is a, a schmuck because he's a, not only is he a crook, but he's taking advantage of his oh, yeah. relationship Leon, over you know, Leon. Kind
0: of, I think limited understanding of uh, yeah, what's what's going on. You know, he thinks Tony always has it out for his best interest yeah. and. That's not true. I mean, you know, Tony looks out for Tony.
1: Exactly. And the one thing, the last thing I'll mention about their relationship is that there's a point in the movie where Leon goes to Tony alone and says, if anything happens to me, make sure that you give all my money to Matilda give everything, give everything I have to Matilda. So, um, Leon at this point and Matilda are back at their apartment that they had to move for like the third time. Like you're right. They had, they got to had a, out of the hotel because of the lover scene. Um, And basically, I'll skip past the dress scene because it doesn't matter. We already discussed it. But at this point now, uh, Matilda goes down to the grocery, the corner store, the bodega to get more milk and stuff like that. And all while this is happening, Gary uh, Norman goes and visits Tony and, Mm -hmm. and puts Tony through the ringer because You know, uh, at one time, since he's Norman at this point still holds power as a DEA agent. And so he goes in there and says, Hey, you know, I got my, he's got his goons with him. He's obviously coming in with this, you know, a sense of power and superiority over Tony. And was saying, Hey, you know, I've, you know, we've done things for you. You've gotten a couple of hits for me. We've watched your back, blah, 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 blah. But here's this crazy thing this 12 year old girl tries and blows my head off at the DEA agent all while that's happening. Um, my main man here gets mowed down by an Italian guy, and what happens? That same Italian guy comes and kills two of my hench- henchmen and DEA agents. So he's like, "Who is this guy? Oh, yeah. Who is this guy?" I and mean, you're going to got t- Tony
0: and basically and so, a vice grip here. Uh, so
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. So not only is Tony betraying Leon in the sense of being like a mm-hmm. proper guardian, but he rats on him. So yeah, so Tony's Tony's basically,
0: yeah, uh, a so, false yeah, sense of security. so goes out to a corner store. When she's coming back um, into their uh, apartment, uh, she's grabbed by yeah, around the corner, around the by corner. These, uh, I don't know which agency they work for. I mean, maybe the DEA, but you know they're um, they're basically you know kind of like SWAT, <laughs> like tactical gear. Um, A bunch of uh, you know, yeah, and you know, heavily armed, tactical gear. I mean, you know, they're they're looking for a firefight here. Um, they grab her, uh, you know, put their hand over the mouth, uh, over her mouth, and say, um, hey, is is there a, a certain knock that uh you need like you know for code, um, you know, for this guy to answer, and uh.
1: Yeah, like a certain like is there some is there some sort of identification it's, you're gonna you know, do at the door right. to know that it's you're uh, the anyways, door? Anyways,
0: there is, um, as we find out in a you know scene prior what what the knock is before she goes out to the grocery store, but uh, she does the wrong knock, and uh, so you know we, we know that Leon you know knows that something is up, and so they knock, um, some guys uh, enter. The door, um, they walk in and they're both shot from the back, and so (laughs) Leon is, yeah, immediately blown away. Spider Man, like holding himself up, uh, on the ceiling, like above the door. Uh, You know, all all that milk is really working for this guy, um.
1: exactly but the best part is in the scene i think they did a pretty good job of the scene except for one thing that i'll make mention later that kind of caught me for by surprise by the way it was acted but um d- during the scene it's great firefight because obviously yeah. it's like a narrow hallway the, even though there there's all these SWAT members and after this fight gary oldman and Norman is like, literally gets, <laughs> he's like, bring, bring everyone, everyone. everyone. here. Like, bring everyone. Get all the cops, every single thing that we got to get this guy. And so, but the scenery is, is that in this first interaction with the first guys going through the door, they're just immediately blown away. And then the door closes. Like they don't even know how this guy got killed. They just, he just got wiped immediately. And that's when Norman's on the phone. He's like, We just, you know, um, the one of the SWAT officers is like, uh, team, a, team A's down. And Norman's like, I told you guys to be careful. And they all start trying to go in there and they just keep getting wiped out as they come along to the point where now all that's left is uh, no um, He does this crazy, crazy move where he has a, Leon has a cop at gunpoint that he's holding down and right. In front of where the SWAT's around the corner, where you no know, Matilda's being held, and they let Matilda go. And how does Leon escape? He shoots, um, he shoots the sprinkler system, and manages to escape through like shooting these guys and everything like that. It was a really crazy scene in order to get them yeah. to escape back to the apartment complex. But at that point, you know. Norman made the call to get all the SWAT members there to get him. And now Leon and Matilda are back into the complex together. But now they're in a really tricky spot because they got nowhere to go. They're they're they're
0: back to the corner here. But God, you're right. It was such a cool scene. And I love a, uh, you know, tight hallway sort of fight scene. You know, this one was with guns. But I know that we've talked on this podcast before about, Potentially doing old boy and uh, on a future episode, and that has one of the best tight hallway fight scenes involving a Hannah. hallway uh, fight. So, <laughs> well, uh, exactly
1: we'll crazy, crazy episode. scene. I was also going to mention. I was also going to mention Neo and um, Trinity in the first Matrix movie when they're going through like the it's, is the post office right. Or uh, at the very end scene where they're both fighting off all the security that shows up. When yeah, they're right. Matrix Down in like the post uh, office, the,
0: scene. the sort of like grand entrance with um, they have all the, like the columns that they're just like <laughs> running by, and the columns are just like shattering as uh, slow mo <laughs> bullets pass through.
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing all remember. the matrix move. All right, and of that back to so this much. movie. But,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It seems like at this point, Leon knows of an escape route. You know, he's kind of always has his plan B just in case. And so he managed to grab uh, one of the axes that still have a fire. I don't don't know many apartment complexes that still have the emergency fire axes for like escaping and stuff like that but in this old apartment complex they did so he co- walks away with you one of those you know firemen two-handed axes that they use to break down doors and he's going after this back wall that is in the back of the apartment uh, all while the um, SWAT team is getting prepared by setting up this what seems kind of over the top but it's this oh like just
0: yeah, rocket like propelled
1: launcher yeah it's like a mortar slash like barrier shield so that like police can hide behind the barrier shield but it launches off mortars <laughs> and they brought it into this like old rundown apartment complex seems a little seems a little crazy but i mean hey there's a dea that's the type of stuff they got to do to I break guess down when norman road, says bring everyone like that. That, so,
0: <laughs> that's what uh play. that translates to yeah. And make sure you bring <laughs> so the murder right. barrier. So, yeah, uh, this, yeah. Leon, he's got fire axe. He he rips a hole into the uh, the wall where there there's sort of a uh, a vent system. Um, uh, that he rips his way into, and um, he checks, looks down, sees it's clear, uh, and he puts Matilda in there. Um, but you know, even Matilda recognizes. She said, "Hey, this is barely big enough for me." you're not going to fit in here with me. And, uh, he says, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I, I, I have, um, a way out. Like, you know, you got to go like, just go. And, uh, yeah, we know that he doesn't have a way out. This
1: is the... Exactly. This is, this is the scene between where this is where right. Matilda and Leon are going to see each other for the last time. And so, um, pretty emotional. I, th- I definitely felt it. Uh, and like I said, I'm also coming from this standpoint of this movie that like, they don't have a romantic relationship. Uh, for the most part, it might be romantic for Matilda, but it's strictly yes. guardian platonic. He does for tell Leon. It's, her all, he it's always her, been but that I think
0: way. He means it um, in like a, you know, fatherly sort of, uh, I don't know, fatherly way. And he does tell her, her, Hey, you know, meet, meet me at Tony's, yeah. um, in an hour. Uh,
1: Exactly, exactly, so he that that's where she needs to go next, and they exchange their love yous but it is it is I mean it might be a it is a very real love you from Natalie Portman, but it's a very guardian protective like cher. i I think it's the cherishing part because, like I said, Le- we already explained to the fact that Leon did not have a personal life, he lived for his job, and his job was nothing but destroying his soul essentially. And so here's this girl that came into his life that, you know, even though he's got this crazy job, she managed to shine the little bit of sunlight that, like, you know, showed him that he wasn't, yeah, in, you know, he wasn't I mean, in the before dark. Before she came into kind of his
0: life, he, he had nothing to live for other than just cleaning. Um, and so...
1: Exactly. He, and, and was yeah, escaping they, his past fire a right.
0: mortar into the apartment. It's, you know blown to smithereens and i think it's at this point that the audience was thinking like okay well that's that's it for leon but they uh they come in yeah i know you're talking about oh go ahead
1: i know you're talking about this point but i'm sorry i gotta mention it was the cameraman thinking when or or Luke to when like after this loving scene that went off so well and Matilda makes it to safety that Leon has to look oh, and, like yeah. back and go oh! <laughs> like he's, like a Tarzan like Guttural brave heart battle cry and the camera and the camera dooms way too close to his face like right into his eyes like he's like about he's like ah this is my eyes of death and stuff like that like that was very abrupt. A very—I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe that was his final reaction. Like, you know, uh, this is me like meeting my death. He's I mean, a man of the few Warriors words, cry I mean, or something has like that. A
0: few ways to yeah. He's emotion. a man of,
1: <laughs> I guess so, but like just the fact that they fire off the mortar and we see it like coming towards the door. That's when Leon has to get this like obnoxiously close-up scene of him screaming as he meets his like. Or right. air quotes, so called <laughs> demise.
0: So I was thinking that this was going to be the end of the movie. You know, Leon would have died from the blast, but mm-hmm. um, the officers rush in after they say, "Hey, we, we got a live one here," um, and uh, pull him out. <laughs> Somehow, amid <laughs> all of the chaos, Leon had time to uh, dress as one of the downed officers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, put on a he right. put on a gas mask, which covered concealed his face. And and again, again to mention, still no one has seen his face yet. Like Leon is such he, I know he is such a professional. <laughs> hey, he the name of the movie that only one that knows. Who, yeah, exactly. The only one that knows who he looks like is Tony, and maybe Norman, because now Norman's gone through the fact that you know I've interrogated Tony for this information and stuff like that. I mean, we don't know for sure because it's not like Tony handed him a picture saying like, here's your guy. But it's at the same time, though, he can maybe pull this off of I can escape now pretending to be an injured cop. And that's when one of the officers carries him out of the complex and down the stairs and tries to make him come down to the nearest medic, which just shows how crazy this movie was in this scene, just because the entire time he's walking down the hallway to the stairs, there's just lines and lines and lines of cops and officers, and every and literally, everyone. when Norman said, "I want everyone here," look, he literally—they got some New I Jersey. Think cops, every single cop new, in and New York, literally. Just, don't. <laughs> I brought them all, in. Exactly, yeah. man. They want to try <laughs> for all the cops. And my mind is I get it I get the, the, the What they were trying to show here About how much of a threat he was But like Talk about overkill Come on You want us to show Every single cop All 50 cops As they're lined up Like a snake From the apartment complex Down the stairs Like who who would who would send in their task force one by one like a snake coming into the the, the complex? That I just seems like sh- shabby <laughs> I just, police. I just work.
0: thought it was really funny as he was working his way down this. Yeah, I, I was, know, like, I, passing by all of the people that he would have was, like dispatched. I get it, woman. but like
1: <laughs> that's the problem with this film. Like, why, What yeah, part know, of this film? I mean, film I don't think it was supposed meant to be funny. funny,
0: but like, it was just <laughs> comical. I know
1: it was that the yeah. fact that it was poorly done makes it comical, which makes me hurt a little bit because this movie just had such like it yeah. ha, it just came from its most emotional scene where Matilda and Leon see each other for the last time and they do two things they give this ridiculous close off to Leon and then they just have like the entire New York police force <laughs> in this one apartment complex and then uh, just to continue the movie forward guys you know you know medic looks over him. He takes off his mask. He doesn't recognize him. He says, are you okay? Are you, f-? he's like, are you from precinct 13? He's like, yeah, I'm from precinct 13. Like, Oh yeah. I, I know what that means. And it seems like out miraculously out of all of it, that Leon's going to kind of make his way past sneakily through this force. And at the same time, Matilda managed to make it out of the complex. He went through a little like basement side window or door to, and makes it out to safety, and um, but, and at this, and now Leon is working his way through uh, all the cops to try and get himself out of the complex. And so um, he man the the medic's like, "Hey, are you okay? You know, can you move on your own? Can you can you get yourself to an ambulance?" And he says, "Yeah, yeah, I can do that." While they're all still preoccupied with what's going on upstairs, which there's nothing upstairs except for debris and a couple of dead cops. Um, and at this time, um, Leon puts his mask mm-hmm. back on because he's like, the gas mask helps me breathe, which I don't know how it would, but it was for that scene. And so just to more cover up his, uh, his appearance and we get a shot at Norman who's looking around. He's outside of the complex and he's kind of, he's trying to wonder where's this guy go? How did we, how did we just lose him? Cause now he knows that he's not in the apartment complex. So, What's he do? He starts running in a direction like he just got an idea. And this is when we find Leon uh, escaping basically through the basement complex. He's in a basement. Yeah, I agree. uh, This is probably one of the best scenes in the movie, in my opinion, cinematography-wise, is the fact that Leon sees the light at the end of the tunnel, light symbolizing freedom. It's symbolizing a life with Matilda. It's symbolizing... Uh, you know, uh you know, he can start he can start a new, a fresh new start. And um that's when Gary Oldman, Norman, does his sinister one of his sinister calling cards, which is so sneaks behind uh <laughs> Leon because he was hiding behind the door. He was hiding behind the door again. And the best part of this is that we get a point of view, a first person point of view of Leon's eyes as we're walking out. Into the daylight out of, you know, the almost death experience when we don't hear the gun, but we see the flash light of like the flame of like the the bullet leaving the the colster. So like from Leon's eyes, all you see is a flash in the darkness and then he falls to the ground in a very slow, like James Bond-esque dying manner. You know, he got hit it's like that the yeah, intro of the up James Bond scenes where <laughs> you know he gets shot by movie. the gun, the blood trickles down. Yeah, it fills up Exactly. It didn't fill up with red, but you saw the like, oh yeah, I'm falling down type of movement scene. action
0: I, Yeah, I really liked, I mean, obviously the the, the layout of mm-hmm. what you were saying. I mean, you're emerging from darkness, walking towards the light and almost there. Just about there, and you know it's not going to have a happy ending.
1: Exactly, but it does have a. Uh, satisfying. It does have ending. somewhat um, satisfying. Thank you. Like the irony, the irony uh, circle came full full three hundred and sixty, and so now while he's on the ground, Norman's kind of having his gloating period of how he caught you know he got a hold of him stuff like that and um that's when he hands matilda norman the ring of a grenade and says like this this yeah the grenade pin basically from one of the grenades strapped to his chest saying this is from matilda which was, it's a, again, the satisfaction here being that even though it cost him his life, Matilda gets her vengeance. She gets what she asked for and stuff like that. And this is a nice tie into what happened earlier in one of the apartment killings of the drug dealers was <clears throat> Leon handing Matilda a grenade pin, you know, just like he did to Norman here in order to to subdue the bad guy
0: uh, (laughs) shot from outside of that area big explosion um you know i leon had other grenades strapped to his chest so all of those went off at the time too but yeah that's that's the end of uh leon as well as norman um but you know leon died so that matilda could live and not be hunted um you know for the rest of her life having to look over her shoulder Uh, For when you know this psychotic uh, Norman Mm -hmm. was gonna come and get her. Um, So,
1: and that was always that was always Leon's thing too is the fact that you kill someone, you always have to look over your shoulder. You're always gonna have to. You're always gonna sleep with one eye open, as he puts it. So, not only does she he exacts her revenge for her, but he prevents her from yeah, like you said, living that life. She never commits the mortal sin of killing a person. Yeah. she's so, never going uh, to have yeah, to have I mean, as life to
0: work. Matilda, she goes to Tony's place. Um, you know, she uh, says, "I can clean." Um, you know, all <laughs> uh, Leon taught me. You know, everything that he knew. You know, I, I can clean. And uh, Tony says, uh, "No, no, I, I'm not. I'm not hiring you to be a cleaner. You know, you're you're a twelve year old girl." Um, And uh, what he does do is he says Mm -hmm. um, Leon uh, instructed him to give you his money. um, But, you know, I'm going to hold on to it. And basically you can visit old Tony whenever (laughs) you need some money. So he gives her a (laughs) hundred dollars. He's like on your way, which, you know, he just does not have (laughs) Leon's money um, (laughs) at all. (laughs) I know. Earlier he gave yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God
1: Tony's such a schmuck in this movie, I swear. Like, um, the fact that earlier that he only gave Leon like a thousand dollars. He gave him like a you know, gave exactly yeah. at the pot in his pocket, and then he gives his little girl a hundred bucks, which maybe will last a little no, bit longer like in the nineteen nineties, but like a hundred bucks ain't gonna do squat. And he said, like, come back and see me in a month or yes. something like that. So she was supposed to but. live off a hundred bucks for a month. So And it was also a little bit, it just goes to show how much more I despise Tony, which I guess is good acting job and a good uh, directing job by Luke. But just the fact that he even makes a mention is like when Matilda's crying, because he's like, you're, you're Leon's dead. You know, like you're not going to be a hit man. Leon's dead. He's not there to look out for you. You're not going to get into this job. And so she's bawling in tears because, you know, her lover's dead from a standpoint. Right. And he's like, you don't think I'm hurting? You know, he says, Tony says, you don't think I'm hurting? I just lost a good friend. You don't think I, f- I feel what you're feeling, which maybe might be true in Tony's messed up understanding of their relationship. But from the outside looking in, you know, it was always well, yeah, Tony, I mean, Tony abusing lost, like, the relationship like between
0: man, them. But I don't yeah. know if he really considered a Leon a friend. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah more yeah so more, yeah, more like so I, I guess had not flying. covered at the beginning of this movie is that you know matilda she um her parents did uh send her to a a private school boarding school and um they had prepaid for a year and i guess that she had either ran away or kind of been you know kicked out on uh like bad behavior but um you know they had already prepaid for her so thankfully she does have a place to go back to after all of this. Um, She does, you know, meet with the uh, head mistress and um, kind of, you know, I mean, she does explain like, you know, her story of where she's been, but the head mistress is basically like, stop lying to me and just tell me where you've been. Kind of funny. I mean, you know, it's so unbelievable of of, of, the events that have happened to her, but uh, she is readmitted to the school. Um, and, uh, the house plant that we mentioned earlier, uh, that Leon, you know, it was, it was one of the great loves of his life was, uh, this house plant that he just meticulously takes care of. Uh, Matilda does go to, um, the center of like, you know, sort of the, the quad or out front of a building and, uh, does plant that into the ground. Um, and it's, it kind of harkens back to, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know something that Leon said earlier in the movie about um, needing to have roots, and that Matilda had finally kind of given him roots in his life, which is something that he had been sorely missing.
1: Right? Yeah, because all, being on the run, you, you know, he could never, he could never settle down. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, a rather. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I'll call it a clean ending. It was clean, but like it does leave it? T- there's a taste in the back of your mouth. Like about how ambiguous it ends off for Matilda, like Matilda's safe and I feel like that, but um, just this whole situation with the DEA and how I just, I think in my opinion, they kind of, they just made the cops seem so boneheaded in this movie. just like no one from understanding that you know norman gary oldman's character was crooked to begin with to the whole fight scenario where like basically leon almost escapes the entire situation leon basically almost escapes every single cop in new york Uh, but to like but at the end of the day, it's it's a satisfactory ending in my opinion. I do like the fact that it, it was uh, it t- tied back around to Leon wanting roots into you know planting, which amazingly I have no idea how that plant survived <laughs>
0: from the,
1: the, the mayhem well, that happened kept on in that feeding a couple scenes prior. Strong but uh
0: Hi Michael, so you know overall opinions of the film what did you think i know this was both of our first time seeing it did it live up to what you were thinking it would be like um i mean would you recommend it to somebody who hasn't seen it before
1: yeah i would i would uh, to first answer your question um it was not what i anticipated i think we both got kind of sidetracked with the fact that leon takes natalie portman's character matilda as like an apprentice rather than just a you know guardian kind of thing so and also rather intense guardianship mentorship because how many different apartments do they go to throughout the film where they go and like kill you know some people they go do hits together so even though this girl had such a intense childhood upbringing from her family and what's what happened and stuff like that it's just It's it's wild. It's wild in a sense, but I would recommend the film to someone if they have the same viewpoint of Matilda and Leon's relationship as I do. Like you, you guys have listened to the podcast. You guys know we had a discussion about it. You know what we're talking about here. I it's can go both ways. There were points in this film when it came out and was debuted in the movie theaters that they cut a scene out, the dress scene. Um, which we really didn't get too deep into um, just because it really didn't need to. We had enough discussion about the sexual tension here or, or what betrayal of that. But um, just the fact that um, if you can take this film and look at it from um, a lens of not being as <laughs> Matt likes to put it, icky, <laughs> or <laughs> as, or being able to separate the fact that this is a movie that has its own, uh, its own plot, its own setting, its own understanding, and separate that from the director and what kind of a creepy person that he ended up being in his life, um, then, yeah, I find this that you can have an enjoyment in this film, that this can be enjoyable. But uh, for the criticisms that I have, I do think that the bad guys needed more backstory. There wasn't enough understanding of Gary Oldman's character, what the pills represented, what was his uh, role in terms of dealing with people like Tony or Matilda's father in comparison to his role at the DEA. I think that needed to be uh, a little bit more filled out. And where they could have fit that in, since I know this is about a two-hour film, they could have taken out the stupid stuff like Matilda talking to the desk manager about their relationship, you know, of being lovers or whatever, or um, any of the just five minute maybe segments of this film that you just didn't really, it didn't fill anything. You know what I'm saying? It didn't. Right. It didn't. It didn't add any sort of extra thing. It was just basically, in my opinion, time fillers. So um, yeah, with, I agree with and- that. And then uh, my last criticism is, and as Matt mentioned earlier, is that there are parts in this film that are almost comical in the sense that of the way that they were portrayed, like the long string of cops that were all down the hallway in the stairwell of the apartments to the extreme close up of Leon as he gets hit with the mortar, basically, um, Really, you could have done a better job, especially at those pinnacle moments when those were the height of the tension, the height of the drama, thriller aspect. You know, you can't confuse drama and thriller for accidental comedy just because you portrayed it wrong.
0: Yeah, I. So yes, I I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I think you know the movie was maybe confused in some spots of you know what kind of tone it wanted, Um, and. I would say that, you know, I, I net have a net positive on this movie. You know, like I, I liked it. I do see why it's a cult classic and I would recommend it to somebody who hasn't seen it before, you know, at least just to say that they've seen it. Um, I was, you know, kidding earlier about wanting to see a, uh, prequel about Norman, but what I think actually would really help elevate the story of this movie is a sequel. Um, And I kind of, as this podcast has been going, was looking to see, um, you know, if, if there was ever a sequel uh, planned, it turns Mm -hmm. out that there was, Um, you know, I I think Luke Besson had written a script uh, for a sequel. That's just titled Matilda. So maybe that would have been a uh, you know confusing search up for you, people might find a movie about a little <laughs> telekinetic powers, <laughs>
1: um, you know Danny DeVito being the uh, the big bad in that movie. But um, I'm trying to show my six year old daughter this <laughs> this really cl- timeless classic children's film, and next thing I know, it's all this
0: blood and murder <laughs> <laughs> and the guy yelling, yeah, exactly <laughs> the camera zooming in at him. But that would have been a great
1: idea just because it would have been like I know you mentioned the video game The Last of Us and the last yeah. of Us you have the you know the adult figure, but then you have this maybe like 13 year old girl. But then if you would have maybe seen Matilda as like 17, like 18, maybe a few years in the past where she's not necessarily an adult yet, but she's now a, a, a full teenager like on the edge of being an adult. Definitely before like 21. I think she would need to be younger than like 21 years or portrayed in that film.
0: Yeah. I think
1: it would have been – yeah. Now, I don't know. I think that would have been great to see, but I don't know necessarily what kind of plot you would have had with her.
0: No, yeah. and I mean, obviously, this this movie was never uh, made. Um, You know, a a script was written for it. I don't know if it's accessible online, reading the script. I do believe that they wanted Natalie Portman to return for it, but – after this movie, I mean, her career blew up. You know, she was in the Star Wars prequels, and then you know went on to have a uh, great career from there. Actually, you know, we uh, watched um, uh, one of her movies on this podcast. And um, why is it not coming to mind right now? Where the four women go into uh, the Shimmer? Oh yeah, uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. That's it. Um, Right. Uh, (laughs) We're so
1: extensive in our filmings that we can't even remember the older ones that we did. (laughs) Oh, so
0: many episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I do think that perhaps a sequel, if they really were able to explore some themes, you know, with the time passing, maybe it's Matilda kind of continues being a cleaner. But, you know, she might have issues connected with people based on you know this or this early relationship with leon you know it it might have kind of elevated the story of this movie a little bit if some of those themes were explored more with more time um
1: maybe or like bringing tony back into the scenario like we already know that tony was a sketchy character to begin with but maybe having him end up being an antagonist in the second film and like drawing back to his earlier relationship with Leon as like maybe flashbacks or something like that. I definitely right. could have that played out to be a movie about Matilda, you know, um, doing, doing cause Matilda always cared about her younger brother, which meant she cared about like, you know, the young kids as a product of a abusive relationship with, with a family. You could see how that she would react heavily to something like that. And maybe if Tony was a part of a ring of like selling drugs, to kids or something like that, something stupid like that, I don't know. But uh, just to your point, I definitely could have seen a uh, sequel come out of this where Matilda is just now a a rogue, a rogue assassin in the sense.
0: And supposedly the script actually was uh, recycled within the studio, um, made into a movie called Columbiana which that sounds familiar. Apparently, it just like bombed at the Pox office and got really bad reviews. So I'm not going to go search it out, especially because I'm sure that the stuff that they did recycle um, was probably just broad story arcs and nothing that would actually lend anything to uh, to Leon the Professional. Um, but yeah, I would say for the most part, I mean, this, this, this was a very well-crafted, movie um and i oh the yeah with tyra banks or no no zoe, zoe saldana yeah thank you zoe saldana, not tyra. but yeah <laughs>
1: I, I, I strictly remember the trailer for this film yeah so again i totally agree with you it, it did bomb it looked like it bombed. it didn't have anything going to it from the start so yeah um I mean, at the end of the day, though, I agree with you. This is a movie that I would recommend to watch with others. Keep an open mind about it. Um, And at the end of the day, this movie provides fantastic cinematography of an old 1990s New York, the way it was, the apartments, how they used to look, and how kind of New York has its charm, but you can also see the rundown side of it, the bad side of it, Um, and also just the fact that... um, Luke Basson had a fantastic job of hitting some very uh cinematic uh shots that really um made the scene like the killing of leon at the end to um the, the beginning scene with all the uh, high intense action of try- trying to kill that make kingpin or whatever like that so yeah, absolutely uh, mm-hmm so uh any any final words any last little fun fact any any more mr sweeney's from ned's classified school survival guide that we can find into the
0: film <laughs> there's only one and only mr sweeney um now i mean i i do think i might watch the fifth element tonight uh <laughs> now that we talked a little bit about it uh it's been a little while since i've seen that movie so check out a little bit more of uh lupus work work there in the 90s
1: Absolutely. The man's got some good stuff. I mean, The Fifth, the fifth Element itself is a very noteworthy film. And if anything, it's Chris Rock? No, not Chris Rock. It's Chris, um, Tucker. Chris Tucker. I always get those two confused. Yeah, but I know. Chris Tucker in that movie is just gold if you want a good laugh. So it's action-packed, definitely fun to watch, but Chris Tucker, hilarious in that movie. So... Uh, Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, guys, if you pay attention to this podcast long enough, we'll do the Fifth Element one of these days.
0: (laughs) I was noticing, looking back through our back catalog, I think every movie that we've watched has had some sort of crime in it. (laughs) Maybe Annihilation might be the closest one that doesn't actually have, like, crime. Outside of, I mean, there's, like, murder, sort of, in that movie, but not really. Uh, But, you know... (laughs) Like I think every movie that we've reviewed has, like, you know, kind of revolved around uh, some sort of criminal activity. So we need to uh, maybe watch like a Rugrats go to Paris or something. <laughs> I was going to say that. or We
1: got to go down to Hollywood and tell them, hey, man, you guys got to start broadening horizons more on the crime stuff. <laughs> it's the only thing we've been talking about. No, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm just going to take that thought back because we totally did Tom Hanks and the burbs and there's no crime involved in that whatsoever yeah. except for a and entering into a Well,
0: yes, yeah, that, and it revolved around that they thought that there was a murder.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, uh, great choice, man. And in my, in my opinion, I thought this was a great choice because it had a lot to dissect.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that I finally did see this movie because it's been one of my blind spots here for, A while, something I'd always, you know, heard people say to to watch and just had never gotten around to. So I'm glad both of us were able to check it out.
1: Exactly. Well, guys, if you like what you heard here, be sure to go into our previous episodes where we delve into some other great classic films in our opinions, uh, hopefully in yours too. Or um if you want, check out some of our social media pages.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have a uh, Instagram and that's at that movie was as well as a Twitter at underscore that movie was. So uh, please check out those, you know, give us any sort of recommendations um, that you would want to hear us cover on a future episode. And uh, well, that's been our episode on Leon, the professional. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. As Michael said, check out our past episodes. Uh, we've got a pretty good um, amount now. So, you know, you can probably fill up. A whole day's worth each of these being around two hours
1: <laughs> yeah the fact that we just love talking our ears off for two hours also really helps fill out the, the the dead space in your day so oh, if nice. you it's love already, our michael. soothing voices coming across the radio stay soothing tuned voices <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a wrap appreciate it matt catch you next time
0: catch you next time michael take care see ya bye